have ADD and we have 4 million projects going on, which is why Marco was a great speaker last week on organization. Um, what, what should we do and what are some systems and what are some questions we should ask before we start going after these things? So I think it, it, the best approach that I have seen is if you don't have business processes in place at all, you're in a really good place because you don't have to undo anything that you've done that may not be correct. Um, so if you haven't done anything, don't beat yourself up about it. That's the first thing because you're in a good place. Um, I have been working in CRM for 29 years. So when I started, it was DOS based. So I've been around a while for those of you that even know what that is. Um, so it's pre-Windows. Um, I currently am certified, my primary focus is CRM and marketing automation. And for those of you that may not be familiar with what CRM is, it stands for Customer Relationship Management. And it's a software that helps you keep track of all of your clients and all of your prospects and what's in your sales pipeline. And it just allows you to, I boil it down to this, it allows you to make more money with less effort. So if that's of interest to you, you're gonna to wanna to look at a CRM. That having been said, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, there were three or four or five CRMs on the market. Now there are literally thousands of CRMs on the market. So deciding which CRM is the right fit for you is your first step in solidifying your business processes and sort of organizing your life. Do you want me to talk about sort of what I think are the main things to consider when you're looking at a CRM? Yeah, I mean, so I spoke the other day to um, job hunters and I said they should have a CRM. And, you know, I think part of this is, is for, you know, quote sales, but the other part about it is touching base with people, you know, and so how do you make, you know, um, I, I use two, um, I use Zoho, which is the main one and that's what Tim and I use. I also use another one called Close, C-L-O-Z-E. And um, I use them for different reasons they, that they feed into each other. But I think part of it is, in some cases, you can buy a sledgehammer when really all you need is a nutcracker. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So there's a couple really big considerations. The big, the big names in CRM that many of you are probably at least have seen ads for on, you know, in magazines or on television is Salesforce is a big one. That's the, they have, they have, I think still just marginally the largest market share, but they're, they're dropping. Um, Microsoft CRM is very large. Uh, Contactually, which has been rebranded to copper. Um, Zoho CRM is a, is a really big player. Um, and then there's sugar and a couple of others. The things that you want to consider when you're looking at a CRM is number one, um, the interface. When you look at the screen, does it make sense to the way your brain works? That's going to be really important because you're going to be in it a lot and you want to make sure that it's easy for you to use. Um, some of them can have a, a million fields and a million views and you want to strip all of that away and get it down to the core of what you actually need to do your day to day. That's really key. The second thing you're going to want to look at is cost. Um, Salesforce is without question going to be the most expensive. It is free if you are an actual nonprofit. Um, but again, it may be overkill. It may just be way more than you need and you may find better success with a different solution. So don't always go with the big players. Um, 
And I would, I would also, also add, Tim, if you don't, yeah. if you will, that I think Salesforce and Microsoft and Sugar are really more meant for corporations, Definitely. not for a smaller business. Yeah, if you're a solopreneur or a small business of you know one to twenty employees, to get an ROI using one of those tools, a return on your investment, is going to be challenging because they are more expensive. Um, and they are really intended for 50, 100, 200, 1,000 users. They're not necessarily intended for the smaller users, uh, smaller uh, user size. Um, so those are the two really big ones. The third one is security. Um, if you are in, in, in an industry, if you have to be HIPAA compliant, if you are in the financial sector or any of those kinds of things, you really want to make sure that whatever you choose is going to keep your data secure. Um, I'm sure you've all heard all of the issues that are coming out right now about Zoom because they just weren't prepared to to come to this level of users this quickly, and they are they are doing things to get it in in place. But um, right now, it's not a secure platform um, for conversations like this. I mean, who cares? <laughs> you don't know. I don't think there's a lot they can do with this kind of information. But you don't want to be having confidential financial conversations if you're a financial planner with your clients over Zoom, because that, that's not secure right now. There are other Zoom-like solutions that are more secure that would be a better solution until they get those issues resolved. Does that answer that? No, that's great. And so Tim, you know, so, you know, um, we've got some folks from Staples here and I've had my office at Staples um, for a bit, you know, so they're a big company, but they also have little small sections. So for someone like them, they have somebody who comes into, you know, um, the studio space or somebody who attends event or somebody attends my event. What would be a good flow process from that kind of the email marketing and the communication for any of us to stay in touch with people? Um, you know, do, is it best for us to take the time to kind of write up you know, templates and then have things that we can pull from that are easy to pick. You know, what are some different things that we should consider for us to be um, staying in touch with people? And then to have mass email blasts that we're seeing, and some of those are good and some of those are bad. And so what are some, again, how does it feed into that? MailChimp, Zoho has the platform for that. What are some good things for people to ask themselves on that? And um, my understanding, Europe is ahead of us on permission. Absolutely. G GDPR, G if, you, if you're not familiar with the GDPR regulation, that went into effect in May of 2019. Um, or maybe 2018, I forget now. I think it was 2019. Um, but it basically requires, even com companies in the United States, if you house contact data for any citizen of the, of the EU, the European Union, you are required to be in compliance with GDPR regulations and you have to be able to communicate to them what data of theirs you have stored. They have the right to ask it, you to delete it. Um, you have to prove that you've deleted it. They have to have the right to edit it. And that, and they have to have second, they have to have two-factor uh, opt-in to be able to e-market to them. And those types of regulations are working their way through the American system um, and they will be coming in the United States as well, and it's going to significantly change the way that we e-market. So that's definitely something to be aware of. You want to start getting people to opt into your lists now so you don't get caught up in the wave that's going to happen when that regulation comes into effect in the United States. Um, to go back to your sort of the core of what you asked me, Diane, 
is it's about relationships. And even though CRM is customer relationship management, I always try to explain it that it's actually a tool that helps you manage your relationship with your contacts. So it's in the opposite direction. And the most important of the three of those is the R, it's the relationship. So when you're looking at a CRM, you definitely wanna make sure that it has interfaces with marketing tools, MailChimp, Constant Contact, you know, whatever, whatever you use, or it may require switching to a new solution that integrates with whatever CRM you choose. Um, you know, I know Diane, you're familiar with Zoho and I am a Zoho, big Zoho cheerleader. Um, Zoho has two different solutions built into their platform. One is for e-marketing and one is for marketing automation. And those are slightly different approaches to the same thing. It basically means you're trying to e-market to, to people. Um, so you can choose either of those platforms and that's going to help you do that. But what you want, what I like to do with my clients is automate as much of the process of gathering the contact information. So now that networking has switched to being virtual like this, you want to put in, uh, you want to put in a chat, for example, for people that want to connect with me click on this link that I just put in the chat, they enter their information and that automatically goes into your CRM without you having to type it. Um, you can, you can once we start moving back to in-person in networking, you can do the same thing. You can say, you know, here's my, here's a link, go to this link code and have them point their phone at it and launch that form for you automatically. You can take their card, and scan it with this card scanning application and have that put the information into your CRM as well. You don't want to have to sit and type in all of that information because you know, who wants to sit and do all that data entry? So I always try to automate that as much as possible. Um, I also, in my CRM, I have a little, I have a field that allows me to type in sort of what would be an opening sentence for someone that is unique to them. Like, oh, hey, it was great to meet you at such and such. I loved hearing about your daughter. Congratulations on her getting into whatever, uh, et cetera. And then I can use that field in my automated emails to them so it feels like, and it is, because I took the time to type it in. And I don't wanna say it's, you're shortcutting it, but it personalizes your message. Especially in this pivot that we're all going through with COVID, and everything is becoming virtual and there's more e-marketing and more focusing on that because we can't get in the same room and shake hands and, and say hello. Finding a way to make your connection with people more personal and yet automated at the same time is going to differentiate you from, from other people. I think I, I would like to say there's a difference between, um, so there's the automation in some cases gets a bad rap in mm -hmm. my opinion and i think part of it is because we 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 all get these automated emails and i got i you know i, I had an issue with a, a young woman it's a little unfair but yeah she 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 was a speaker in the speaker space and she was you know sending out emails and you know and then she put at the top you know these emails were written before you know the coronavirus and then she would have this marketing thing and i'm like so stop sending those emails you can hit stop you know, and so she had put together a pipeline of emails that, you know, if you opened it once, you got the second one. If you open the second one, you got the third one and if you got the third one. And it just came across as very can, like the person who's on the phone when you say, I want 
when was the last time you enjoyed a workout with Carol? You know, I was like, I want to cancel my gym membership. Well, you know, have you ever thought about, you know, doing our, I mean, you, you see that sort of script flow. Yeah. So I think how, I think it's important to talk about how we can have the buckets to pull from, but it doesn't mean they only just automatically waterfall trigger. You want to still control what the person is going to experience so they're not feeling bombarded or they're not feeling that there's an ins insensitive or even um, so overly scripted that it's just not a pleasant situation for people to feel like they're, they're being kind of um, hounded. It's a great topic that you're bringing up. Yet there's an art to it. It's, it's odd because it's so technology oriented, but there is a real art to creating that content and designing that experience that you want people to have. What you're talking about is more marketing automation than e-marketing. So e-marketing, so e-marketing is like blasting out an email to people and, and you're kind of done at that point. It's sort of like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, that was the first iteration of marketing via the internet was e-marketing and it's still a valid tool. It works, it's very effective in certain circumstances. Marketing automation is where you're building more of a lot of, the term you hear a lot is the, the customer journey. Um, you're, you're sending out an email, so there is e-marketing included in it, but then if they open that email, this is going to happen. And if they don't open that email in a certain amount of time, something else is going to happen. And you start branching out and designing that journey in such a way that people are getting the message and you, the marketing automation tool will actually track the interaction of the recipients of what they, did they click on the email? Did they open the email? Did they open the email and click on a link? Did they download something? It knows all of the things that they're doing with it. And then depending on what their action is with that email, it will branch them off and, and they will receive other things all of which is automated. So you're not sitting there trying to track it all and say, oh, they opened this, yeah. let's send this email. Yeah. It just does it. The onus then, of course, is designing that journey at the beginning and, and taking into account the different things that you want to have happen when they interact in a certain way. Yeah, there's a question, you know, where does HubSpot fit into all of this? And I, I have looked at HubSpot's a wonderful company. It's local yep. here to Boston. I actually personally know, um, you know, the founders and the people involved. Um, my experience with my, my hunch is that HubSpot probably does fall into the bigger ca company bucket. One and two, it also... Um, it, it charges you by the number of contacts. And yeah, so for me, it's a, it doesn't work because I do have this big bucket of people. And let's say, you know, Carol um, Costello and I knew each other back in the day when she was at a co-working space and she's now at a different place, but I might have three different things for her. Well, then that's, it just becomes, I, when it charges you by that, it can, can get a little overwhelming. Um, and it's also, for my experience, is a little bit more to manage. What are your thoughts on that? Is it for a solo person? It can be. Uh, you, you, 
totally hit the nail on the head though around its pricing model. That's the challenge. <clears throat> There's two challenges I have with HubSpot. It's a great solution. That's the first thing I wanna say. It's a very, very strong solution. They started as a marketing automation platform and then they added CRM on the side. So their marketing automation is really, really strong. Their CRM is okay, it's not great, it's not awful. Their CRM, ironically, is free. So yeah. you can have as many people in the CRM as you want, but the minute you wanna start marketing to them, they charge you and the price goes up per user per month when you cross each thousand marks. So if you have 999 people, it's $5 a month. When it goes to a thousand, it's $10 a month. And when you go to 2000, it's $15 or what I'm making up the pricing. But every time you pass a threshold of 1000 contacts, the price goes up. And most other solutions don't do that. They are gonna have caps on the number of emails you can send out, but not on the number of contacts that you can have. Sometimes they will have caps on the number of contacts that you can have in the, in the marketing solution as well. Um, there's typically tiers that you can, you know, it just depends on what level you need to, you know, how big your list is and how many you're gonna send out. Yeah. There was another, there was another um, question in the thread are, are you good with that? Did you want me to go to that other question? No, that's or? good. There was, yeah, there was a question about Substack, and there was also a question about some best, best platforms for smaller businesses. Okay. So I'm not familiar with Substack, but I am reading from the service slash platform comment. Um, if, it's a, if it's a field service platform, which it might be, um, by the name of it, and by that I mean I have a house cleaning business and I'm sending people out into the world to clean houses, or I am a contractor and I'm sending people out on the field to different jobs and things like that. That's a service platform. That is to manage people going out into the field and who's going to where and when and where are all the scheduled appointments, which is different from a CRM. The CRM is really about the people that you deal with professionally, and their prospects and your sales pipeline really. So it's really more geared towards sales, getting leads in, nurturing them, moving through, moving them through the sales process and closing business with them. Once you've closed business with them, they would get moved over to a service platform like Substack. I actually think, oddly enough, Substack is like uh, MailChimp. It's a, it's a newsletter. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of people think that Constant Contact or MailChimp are CRMs, and they're really not. They're e-marketing yeah. tools. Um, they do have a. They have the functionality of having contacts in there and being able to categorize them. Where they, what they don't have, and what I feel is the big differentiator between contact management and CRM is they don't have the sales pipelining. That's really what separates a contact management system from a CRM. And if you're not familiar with sales pipelining, it just basically means who am I talking to about selling my products or my services, where am I in that process, yeah. how much money is it worth, and when do I expect it to close? So many, many moons ago, I used to work for a company called Overseas Adventure Travel. Guess what they did? Overseas Adventure Travel. <laughs> wow, good marketing. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those questions nobody ever asked me, so what does that company do? <laughs> And, um, and it got purchased by Grand Circle Travel, which is a much bigger entity and was more sophisticated in its email marketing. And when they, brought, they bought us, they did some very interesting education in that time frame, saying that it cost, and these were old dollars, but it cost $5 to get the name Timothy Ryan Young. 
And then it took, it was $15 before I knew that was actually a real name, not Bugs Bunny. And then by the time Tim Ryan went on a trip, it was actually the, the value of the name, if you will, was $250. So, you know, when you go out and you meet people and you add them to your database, it's really that, that that's negligible value. I mean, it is because you've actually met the person, they're a real person. You know, Carol, when people come into the studio, you have a chance to say, yes, this is a real person. But then when you have the chance to say, gee, you know, are you interested in working with us in Boston or are you in California visiting? Well, that changes the situation if you're selling a local business that's local, whereas if you're selling something online, that's a different situation. Yeah. Then when the person starts saying, you know, yes, here's my budget, you know, I'm interested in doing this in September, that's when they, you kind of have, this is the pipeline that Tim is speaking about that you can kind of channel people through to better understand where they are. And this is something that Tim has been very helpful with me on thinking this process through because I have lots of people who I have talked to, but who are the different people who are interested in different things? And then it's up to me to actually create, you know, a online course for somebody whose budget is 50 to $100, where somebody who says, no, I want you to come in, coach my senior team, or give a keynote speech, that's a different type of a thing. So that's when they kind of qualify, but this is the pipeline flow to know, you know, part of it is budget, part of it is timing, part of it, you know, and timing has gone obviously out the window right now for a lot of people because a lot of decisions are gonna be on hold. I mean, mm -hmm. this is a time that I am doing my, my feeling so I'm kind of going on three different, you know, pipelines. One is, you know, am I going to continue in the space I'm in? You know, who knows? We'll see how long this lasts. But while I'm in that space, I'm saying, do I have good data of the people who I've been in touch with in the past? Do I know their current contact information? The other day, I saw the Boston superintendent of schools. And she was talking about the challenge it was for her to be able to get a computer to go to some kids' homes because they didn't have good information on where was this person living. You know, maybe the parents had gotten divorced in the meantime and the kids, you know, the, the, the computer needed to be delivered somewhere else. So this is a time when I think people, this is, you can um, use this time, you know, maybe in a productive way to say, you know, when was the last time I was in touch with this person? Are we connected on LinkedIn? And do I have clean information and then maybe there would, Tim, there might be ways to tag that if it's cleaned or, you know, I have. Oh, definitely, I, yeah. I created a box in Zoho yep. for me saying, you know, needs to be cleaned, <laughs> you know, because some of the stuff is, is old data. Tim, any other final thoughts? And we'll, I'll, yeah. at, at the end for everybody, what I'm going to do is I'll send um, some links from the past um, speaking things we've had. I'll include Tim's contact information as well as some of the past speakers. Um, as well in case people want to get hold of him. Um, any other final thoughts, Tim? Yeah, there, just wanted to answer the, the one last question about what's good for a small business. Um, we both have mentioned Zoho. I think Zoho One is the biggest bang for your buck. You get pretty much everything you need to run your entire business from bookkeeping to CRM to e-marketing to online file storage to online media. It's, it has everything in it. 
and it's ridiculously inexpensive. Um, it's $30 a month, so it's $360 a year per user. Um, and that's really what I, if you're, if you're a small business and you don't have business processes in place and systems in place, it's, it's a great place to start. That's what and I'll ditto that. I mean, I, I've been using it off and on. I, every so often I would give it up and then I would come back to the mothership, if you will. And, you know, and so I, it, this is why a lot of the data is old and it's why I'm doing some cleanup because I just, it's like the files in the basement and now I'm trying to merge the file, you know, old files with new ones. But um, this, I, is the, this is the time to do that when things it, are a little bit slower and everybody's sort of pausing and pivoting. Take this time to actually focus on getting your business processes in place. So when we start to go back to whatever is going to be the new normal, you can hit the ground running and you're not yeah. scrambling. Yeah. And so I was able to give up QuickBooks. I was able to give up MailChimp. I was able to give up, you know, a lot of the, and just all have it be in this one suite where it talks to each other. So Tim, thank you very, very much. Thank you. I appreciate your time. My Tim is in the middle of a all day um, uh, seminar today. So he took some time out to join us today. I appreciate it. He changed his schedule around. So